You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, moving over from Score Zags Score and taking over here at Locked On. This episode of Locked On Zags is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. First, I want to thank all of you for making this podcast your very first listen of the day. Seriously, I know there are so many, so much great content out there about the Zags and about whatever other sports team you like and people who like non-sports things, true crime podcasts, all of that. I really appreciate you all making this your first listen of the day. I know getting in a routine is such a big thing for everybody, and I sincerely appreciate getting the opportunity to be a part of your routine, whether this is your first listen, your 10th listen, or for those of you who have been with me since ScoreZag Score, we're getting close to our 200th listen. I think we're at about 195, 196 episodes when you add up the episodes I did over there and then the episodes here. So thank you so much, all of you who've been listeners from the beginning or who are brand new to the show. A reminder, you can follow and subscribe this podcast wherever you already get podcasts, and you can look out for an upcoming YouTube channel. It's going to start in the next couple of weeks, hopefully right around the start of the college basketball season. For folks who want to see me, who want to see my podcast studio, or who just like finding content on YouTube rather than on the other podcast platforms. All right, today's episode is the 10th in our extensive player preview series, taking a brief but thorough look at every player on Gonzaga's roster, detailing their basketball history, a look at their best and worst case scenarios for the 2021-2022 season, and finally a closer look at their expected role in production this year. These episodes are going to air multiple times per week, right up until Gonzaga's exhibition opener against Eastern Oregon. On Halloween, if you missed any of the previous nine installments, check back in your feed. They're there waiting for you. Today's episode is a big one. It's about the big man. Not Drew Timmy. We already covered Drew Timmy, but the other big man, the top-rated recruit in Gonzaga history, the top-rated recruit in the class of 2022. That's right. Today is all about Chet Holmgren. So player history, you have to start. The Chet Holmgren story begins when he was 15 years old and at a basketball camp, he crossed over Steph Curry. He used Steph's famous move, got him on his skates. Obviously, I'm not going to pretend Steph Curry was playing the best defense he's capable of playing. I'm not going to pretend Steph Curry, even at his best, is a particularly good defensive player, but it was still very impressive and it put the young man on the map at a very young age. If you haven't seen this clip yet, you need to go watch it. It's he, he went super viral really young. I don't think a lot of people really realized at the time what he was going to become. I certainly didn't. I saw the clip, thought, wow, that's really cool. I wonder if that kid's going to make anything of it. Didn't think about him for two years until Jalen Suggs came to Gonzaga, and then we started hearing all about this young man and realizing, like, oh, that's the dude who crossed up Steph Curry. He's a legitimate prospect, and we have a shot to get him. And that's what happened. Obviously, the, the connection with Jalen Suggs was a monumental part of the reason that Chet Holmgren came to Gonzaga. It's part of the reason that so many people attribute Dominic Harris to kind of being the person who, the catalyst who created this whole kind of recruiting monster that Gonzaga has because Harris had such a big role in getting both Julian Strother and Jalen Suggs to come to Gonzaga. Of course, Jalen Suggs being the reason that Chet Holmgren has now come to Gonzaga. So two of the biggest recruits in school history are here in part 
because of the recruiting that Dominic Harris did before he ever even set foot on Gonzaga's campus, which is a pretty cool kind of footnote for him. We'll have a whole episode dedicated to him in a week or so, so we can talk about him then. But for now, Chet Holmgren made it official on April 19th, 2021, about 14 days, exactly two weeks after Gonzaga's devastating loss to Baylor. Gonzaga got a bit of a pick-me-up with the news that Chet was officially coming to Gonzaga. It was expected prior to that. The reason that Chet waited a long time to announce is because he did not want to distract from his team's run through the Minnesota State playoffs. They ended up winning the championship. He waited until after that before he announced. Kind of, It's kind of the guy he is. You know, he's, he's a bit more, I don't want to say he's like quiet or he's not, he, he doesn't advertise himself or anything. He does. Uh, and he's got some swag to him, but he's also kind of a team first guy. He's a very like do what it, what it needs to be done to win type of type of guy. That's at least the impression I've gotten from him based on interviews and watching some of his games and, and as much tape as we have on him. I also think Gonzaga really goes for players like that. Like Jalen, Jalen Suggs was not a me first guy. Hunter Salas by all accounts is not going to be a me first guy. Chet Holmgren's not really a me first guy. And those are the three highest recruits in school history. So I, I think that's an important part of who Chet Holmgren is. It's an important thing that we're going to see this year is the attitude that he has and kind of the the way that he carries himself is not the way that uh, some top-tier prospects carry themselves. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus in particular, but there are programs that are more comfortable recruiting those types of players than Gonzaga, despite getting top five prospects in the country now on a regular basis, at least for the last couple of years. I don't think they're going to dip into that type of player. And and Chet Holmgren is certainly not is not the kind of player that could disrupt team chemistry, just like Jalen wasn't, just like I don't believe Hunter's not going to be either. Going forward, yeah, Chet is the greatest recruit in school history. Uh, he was he got a perfect 1,000 rating from 24-7 sports. That is extremely rare. Normally, they're the highest recruit each class is like 0.998 type of thing, 0.9996 or whatever. Chet is perfect. Uh, as high as it can be is the first consensus number one overall pick, or excuse me, number one overall recruit since R.J. Barrett three years ago. Uh, you might remember him. <laughs> Gonzaga fans, he's a bit familiar to us. Um, you, you probably don't need all need the full rundown on who he is. You've read articles. You've watched videos. It's it's impossible. He's, he's hard to avoid at this point, even if you are a very casual Gonzaga fan, even if you are not a Gonzaga fan, you are just, you've stumbled upon this podcast for whatever reason, and you're just a general basketball fan. You have heard of Chet Holmgren. You have probably seen some of his video. He's just been all over the place for the last year or so. But here's a little quick rundown anyway. He's seven feet tall with a seven foot six wingspan. He is the best shot blocker in school history, and he hasn't blocked a shot yet. I feel pretty confident saying that because his elite rim protection in high school. Scouts have said this is the best rim protector I've ever seen in high school, ever. Uh, That's been said about him multiple times by multiple different people who have analyzed a lot of high school basketball in their career. He gets this unicorn moniker a lot, which is the way that seven-foot people who can handle the ball like guards get described a lot of the time. You know, Kevin Durant has been described like that. Um, Chris Tapps Porzingis has been described like that. Like there are a lot of Anthony Davis to a lesser extent with the ball handling, but his ability to play away from the basket has been described like that. Um, and that's where Chet falls. You watch his highlights again. He's taking people off the dribble. He's crossing people up a la the Steph Curry highlight from many years ago. Like that's the kind of player that he is. Uh, beyond that though, he can also score at all three levels. He can score as a three point shooter. He can score around the rim. He's got a mid range, uh, really talented offensive player. His defense is ahead of his offense at this point. Uh, Again, it's hard to say we haven't seen him actually play college basketball, but the expectation is that his defense is more advanced than his offense. But that's not to say that his offense is raw 
or that he's going to struggle to score at the collegiate level. It's just really just an indictment of how good his defense is, quite honestly, that he's that ahead of it. And all those players that I just named, Durant, Porzingis, Anthony Davis, uh, to an extent Dirk Nowitzki, are all players that, that he has drawn comparisons to. That is a lot to live up to when you are 18, heading into your freshman year of college, first time away from home. All of the pressures that come with being a freshman in college uh, magnified by the fact that you are considered like every player you're being compared to with the exception of Porzingis uh, is a hall of famer or future hall of famer most likely. And like, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot on your plate. I think he's, he's the kind of player who can live up to that. Skeptics will, will point out the weight. He, he's very skinny. Uh, there's some concern that his body will either break down or will, he will need to bulk up in order to be effective at the collegiate level and certainly at the professional level. Uh, but beyond that, I just, I don't see a player who, who I think is isn't going to live up to at least very close to those expectations. And that's what I want to talk about in the second segment is what those best case and worst case scenarios are. Being quite frank, there there is no scenario where Chet Holmgren is at Gonzaga longer than a year. So we're going to talk about best case and worst case scenarios for the one and almost certainly only season that Chet spends in a Gonzaga uniform. Before we get there, though, today's episode is sponsored by McDonald's. Proudly serving communities since 1965, McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect, a place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, or the away team can come to recharge. It's a place you always look forward to stopping at on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. Growing up, it was the best place to go for post-game celebrations, and for a while it even became a pre-game location with their delicious breakfast menu. So head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. I'm loving it. All right, segment two in the first segment, we discuss Chet Holmgren's history, the top recruit in school history, the top recruit in the country, how he ended up in a Gonzaga uniform, a little bit about who he is as a basketball player, what to expect. Now in the second segment, we're going to talk best case and worst case scenarios. If this is your first episode, or if you just need a reminder on how this goes, the caveat is that this is best case within reason, worst case without injury is the way I like to say it. So we're not going to discuss All-American, first pick in the draft, all of that stuff for players that it's not realistic for. Like That is the best case scenario for every player, but we're just not going to talk about it unless it's actually realistic. Worst case, we're not going to talk about their body breaking down or injuries. Of course, that's the worst case scenario. It does. It seems silly to continue to talk about that. So having said that, with Chet Holmgren, quite frankly, very obviously, the best case scenario for Chet Holmgren is that he is the National Player of the Year, that he is the first overall pick in the 2022 NBA draft. That is, without a doubt, Not only the best case scenario, because you cannot get drafted higher than first, but it is a realistic outcome for Chet Holmgren. Usually I like to set these a little bit farther than what is realistic, but it is every mock draft. If you've been following the mock drafts, if you're a degenerate like me who loves reading mock drafts about a draft that is nearly a year away, like I do, you will see that Chet Holmgren is rarely lower than like fourth. Usually he's first or second, and it depends on how people feel about Paulo Benchero, the elite power forward at Duke who went to O'Day High School in Seattle, was also a Gonzaga recruit. If they had gotten both of them and retained Drew Timmy, I don't know what would have happened. It would have been the most ridiculous front court in the history of the NCAA. Not that this one is bad by any means, but adding Banchero would have been insane either way. 
Chet's probably going to be a top three pick in the draft. Best case scenario, he's number one. The way that that happens is that, quite frankly, like I said in the first segment, he's the best defensive player in school history. Not only does he shatter Gonzaga's single-season block record, which was set by Brandon Clark three years ago, he also proves that he can play defense effectively away from the rim. Now, this is going to be a huge sticking point this year. I talked about it in the Drew Timmy episode, and I talked about it in the Anton Watson episode, and I've talked about it in Mailbag Monday, and I've already gotten some questions for next Mailbag Monday, so I can tell you confidently I'm going to talk about it again. A big part of this season is how Chet Holmgren and Drew Timmy play together on the defensive end of the floor. On offense, they're going to be a menace. They're going to be impossible to stop. But defensively, there are some things that they need to figure out, most notably the fact that Chet Holmgren is best served as a rim protector, whereas Drew Timmy struggles to defend away from the rim. And that is going to be something they have to figure out. A best-case scenario for Chet Holmgren is that he can be capably utilized away from the rim. It's not going to be better. He's not going to be a better defender away from the rim than he is at the rim, only because he's such a good shot blocker. But it may make more sense for Gonzaga to allow him to be the pick-and-roll switch guy, the guy who plays up there because of his long arms, because of his athleticism, his lateral movement, all of that stuff. In a best-case scenario, he can do that really well, and they can almost kind of shield Drew Timmy under the basket. I don't think they're going to want to do that for the entirety of the 25-ish minutes that they share on the floor because it doesn't allow Chet to, to block shots the way that he's capable of doing. But again, in a best-case scenario, it's an option for them. It allows them to make it work in situations where Drew would otherwise be pretty exposed trying to play defense away from the rim. Best-case scenario for Drew, excuse me, for Chet Holmgren is that he's the team's best three-point shooter, that he shoots over 40% from three, that not only is he this insanely good rim protector and good offensive player all around the board, but he's also the team's best three-point shooter. He's better than all of the guards. He's a Killian Tilly or Kyle Wilcher-esque outside shooter, which makes him so difficult to guard because those guys stretch the defense. They force big men to play away from the rim. And on a team with guys like Hunter Salas and Rasir Bolden, whose biggest strength is getting to the rim. If you have a big man on your team who can force the other team's six foot 10 guy to play away from the basket, it is just guaranteed buckets for the Hunter Salas's, Rasir Bolton's, Andrew Nemhards of the world. Guaranteed buckets. This is going to be a huge part of Gonzaga's offense is using Chet to pull players away from the room. They're going to try it with Drew Timmy too, and Drew's been working a lot in his outside shot. And if he's capable out there, which I think he will be, and if Ben Gregg's in the game and he's capable out there, Gonzaga's going to have this incredible situation where they can pull all of the big men away from the basket and just allow their guards to just go to work getting into the paint. And, and, and for Chet specifically, if he's seven feet tall, has ball handling skills of a collegiate guard and can shoot threes, how do you guard him? If you put the big man out on him and they have to get up in his face because otherwise he'll just shoot over them, then he's going to just go around you. There's There are no big men in the WCC and probably not in the NCAA with maybe a very small group of exceptions who can handle him if they're up in his grill and he's trying to drive around them. There are very few guys who can stop that. Very few. Evan Mobley last year might have been one of them, but he's gone. He's in the NBA now. He had an incredible season debut, if you didn't see that. Very good. Makes Drew Timmy's performance against him last year in the tournament look even better. But those guys are very, very few and far in between. Gonzaga may not face any of them this year. So for Drew, or excuse me, for Chet to be able to shoot from the outside the way that he can, in a best-case scenario, up over 40%, it just makes him impossible to defend. I think we'll see teams try to play a lot of zone. 
because I don't know that they'll know what else to do against Chet and Drew. And again, I think Chet's outside shooting will make him very difficult to defend in a zone defense. I, I don't think it will work. If you put him in that soft spot in the middle of the zone, I mean, what do you do? He's a he's a wrecking ball if he gets the ball right there. He can take one dribble, get to the rim. He can make a post move. He can shoot a fadeaway. He can step back and shoot a three. He can make an entry pass. There's just not really anything you can do. Best case scenario for Chet Holmgren, the concerns about his weight are a non-issue. He either plays physical for a guy his size and it doesn't seem to impact his ability to bang around the rim and play good, solid on-ball defense, or he puts on muscle in a way that doesn't limit him athletically. And he's he gets up to a solid 215, 220, and is still the nimble, athletic dude that we know that he is right now. And then transitioning to the worst case scenario, it's basically the opposite of that. One of two things happens in a worst case scenario. His slight frame causes him to get pushed around by bigger post players. Again, in the WCC, this probably will not be an issue. BYU's got some dudes who are pretty big. St. Mary's got a few dudes who are pretty big. But none of those guys are really... The, the big dudes in the WCC, for the most part, are not athletic enough to hang with Chet. So there's, it's only going to be non-conference games or tournament games with some of those big, very athletic dudes who might be able to push Chet around if he if that slight frame does end up becoming a problem or something I'm slightly concerned about is if he puts on this weight, if we ask him to put on 25 pounds of muscle, which is the ask, you know, 215 is 25 pounds from where he is now. So if he gets up there, it could slow him down. Whether it's an issue where, you know, something happens to his body, which again, we don't discuss injuries in this situation, but a player putting on 30 pounds of weight, that has to be at least a consideration, certainly, or he just is not as quick He's not as athletic. He's not as mobile. His jumping ability is a little bit down. All that stuff that could happen if he's just a little bit slower because of that added weight. Uh, Fatigue could be a factor too, just moving around more weight. Um, Again, that's not necessarily injury related, but if Gonzaga is trying to rely on him for 32, 33 minutes per night and he's getting fatigued a little bit more because he's not 190 pounds anymore, that could drop him down into the 25, 27 minutes per night range. Not the worst thing in the world for this team. They have enough depth to withstand that. But in a worst case scenario like that, he looks gassed. Like if we're saying that a lot during the year, that's that would fall under this category. Uh, worst case scenario for Chet Holmgren is that three-point shot just isn't consistent. Freshman, it's not that uncommon for even the best freshman to be inconsistent from beyond the arc. So instead of that 40% mark, he's more like 33 maybe 35, maybe 32, something in there. And you have like a three-game stretch where he goes one for seven and then he hits four in a row or whatever. Like he's just not quite consistent. And every game you're like, we need Chet to show up from the outside. And we just, we every game you don't know if he's going to be reliable from the, beyond the arc. The worst case scenario for Chet Holmgren is this mid-range game is either underutilized or just ineffective. Uh, again, he's going to score around the rim because he's seven feet tall. He's huge. He's got good footwork around the rim. His post moves are already very strong for a 19-year-old. I don't think there's even a worst-case scenario where he's not finishing around the rim with some consistency, especially in the WCC. But in a worst-case scenario, the mid-range game just isn't there, whether whether they're not using it, whether he's trying these the fadeaways or the pump fakes and, and the you know 15-footers, and they're just not going in at a rate that makes it worth having it be a part of his game. Worst-case scenario is he struggles as the high man in that high-low offense or he struggles in that soft spot of the zone. I I struggle to see how he would he would not do well in that spot unless his, his playmaking abilities are very bad and he just can't make the correct reads. Again, everything we've seen from him indicates that this isn't going to be an area that he struggles, but he's going to be playing against bigger and faster and stronger competition. So there's the possibility that 
he is maybe a second late on making an entry pass or he doesn't quite throw it far enough or he you know he he gets the ball and he gets tunnel vision to go to the rim when in actuality he probably should have kicked it out and to a certain extent those mistakes will happen because they happen to everybody nobody has ever had a perfect season with their decision making with the ball in their hands it's never happened i promise you it has never happened and it won't happen for chet but in a worst case scenario there are a few more of those mistakes than you maybe uh, want to see from from a guy who's going to be a huge part of the offense and then in a worst case scenario, he's still a first round pick. He might be a little later in the lottery. He might drop out of the top 10. That would be like pretty, pretty startling, I think, would be to see him fall all the way out of the top 10. He's not going to come back to school barring, again, an injury, which we don't discuss here. He's not going to fall out of the lottery unless, I, I don't even know if there is an unless. He's so tantalizing as a prospect. He's so skilled. He's got so many things that you can't teach with his length and his athleticism that I, I fail to see how he could really fall that far out of the draft, uh, assuming that he's healthy. All right. Best and worst case scenarios for Chet Holmgren have been discussed. We're going to come back in the third segment, and we're going to talk about some more realistic scenarios for the budding star ahead of his first and only season in Spokane. Before we get there, though, today's episode is sponsored by Bet Online. Bet Online is back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a newly updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. This episode is also sponsored by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, plain and simple. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Built Bar has nine delicious flavors, including some all-time favorites like raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, coconut, and my personal favorite, salted caramel. Of course, Bilt Bar is not only great tasting, they are healthy too. Most Bilt Bar flavors have 17 grams of protein, just 130 calories, and only 4 grams of sugar. Nine amazing flavors, all tasty and all healthy. Go to BiltBar.com now and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. That is BiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your first order. In the first segment, we talked about Chet Holmgren's history, how he crossed up Steph Curry when he was 15 years old, and now he's headed to Spokane for his first and only season in a Gonzaga uniform. Second segment, we talked best case and worst case scenario, what the season could look like for Chet. And here in the third segment, we're going to discuss a more realistic role and production, what we expect out of him in year one. Again, the best and worst case scenario should be the polls. In theory, the absolute best that things could possibly go and the worst that things could go, as you would expect, a player is likely going to fall in the middle. I alluded to this a little bit in the best case scenario for Chet. He is so talented and so skilled that there, <laughs> he's probably going to reach very close to some of those best case scenarios because he can't. you can't get better than the first overall pick in the draft. And there's a realistic scenario where he's the, the first player picked in the draft. So we're going to lay out some of what I think is going to happen for him in year one. First of all, he's going to start, uh, obviously. <laughs> it's pretty pretty clear there. I think outside of Drew Timmy and Andrew Nempard, those are the three players that are cemented in stone as starters for this roster. He's going to play the four, 
which I'm saying in air quotes, which when I someday have a YouTube channel, you will see <laughs> that I'm saying that in air quotes. And I say that because he, A, Drew Timmy just got named to the Carl Malone Award watch list. So I'm assuming Drew Timmy will be on the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar watch list, which is for centers. So he's going to play some five. In theory, Chet could be the five and Drew could be the four, I guess. I also think Chet is going to play some three in certain lineups. I don't know how often we will see that, but there's a possibility for some Drew, Anton, Chet lineups, maybe even mix Ben Gregg in there. I think there's some ways to to be flexible with Chet. His offensive skills allow him to be a three on offense. He's obviously going to play under the basket on defense most of the time, so he's not really going to be a three defensively. But again, basketball is positionless. Mark Few has embraced that. He embraced that before this season, but now he's absolutely embracing that because when you have a player like Chet Holmgren, you have to be adaptable. You have to be flexible. You don't want to pigeonhole guys into specific roles, and I don't think he's going to do that with Chet. I think Chet's going to play 30 to 32 minutes per night. I don't think he's going to get all the way up into that 35, 36 that we've seen from mostly seniors in Gonzaga's tenure. You know, Corey Kispert played about 35 per night. Mark Few doesn't usually do that to freshmen. I think there, I mentioned there could be some concerns with fatigue, or at least he's going to change his body pretty dramatically this year. So I, I don't know if we'll see him get all the way up into that 35, 36, especially because Gonzaga has so much depth and they don't necessarily need to run him out there that much, but he's going to play a lot. I think he's going to shatter the blocks record. I talked about that already. I think it's going to happen. He's that good of a shot blocker in the WCC where, I mean, these guys just don't have a chance. And I think it allows Gonzaga to, I think they're going to let him stay down by the rim a lot. I mentioned the possibility of him coming out and playing, you know, being being a defensive big man on pick and rolls, particularly against teams that have enough talented guard play where they could really exploit a big man who is a step slow on the pick and roll like Drew Timmy was against Baylor. So I think there's the possibility that Chet comes out there, but I think for the most part, he's going to play around the rim. And if Chet's playing, or if Drew's playing away from the basket, A, I think Drew's going to be much improved in that area. I, I don't think that the struggles we saw him have against Baylor are necessarily indicative of a full season's worth of those struggles once again. I just don't think that's going to happen. But when it does, and when these guards get around Drew, when it happened against Baylor, and to be clear, Jared Butler, Davion Mitchell, Macy Oteague is an elite group of guards, unlike a group of guards that Gonzaga will possibly ever face again. So that is an important caveat when discussing that game. But when those guys got around Drew, they got lay-ins. This year, if whatever team, Texas, who has a good group of guards, UCLA has a good group of guards, when they get around Drew, they have to then try to score on Chet Holmgren, (laughs) who is going to be under the basket. That is a very different scenario than what happened in the Baylor game. It will be much, much more difficult. Chet's not going to be perfect. He's probably going to commit some fouls in some of these situations. Good, savvy guards will still be able to score on him. But for the most part, it's a massive improvement over what happened in that Baylor game. I think we're going to see some streakiness in the shot. You know, I mentioned 40% as the best case, 33% as as maybe the worst case for him as a three-point shooter. Uh, As you would expect, I expect him to be somewhere in the middle of that. You know, maybe a 36-37% three-point shooter. I do think we'll see some streakiness. Again, very few players come in and just light it up from downtown night in and night out consistently as true freshmen. It's just very rare. And I think that he has so many other skills that the three-point shooting is not going to be this hugely significant part of his game. Now, Gonzaga could really use it for lots of reasons. I think they'll use it as a zone against the zone quite a bit. I think they'll use it as a way to give Drew Timmy more room in the paint, pull defenders away from the basket, which allows Rasir Bolton and Hunter Salas and those guys to get to the rim with more ease. But I also think that 
it's he's going to do a lot of his scoring around the rim, and I think he's just going to have he's he's not going to be consistently forty percent night in and night out. He's just going to have some some struggles, and that's okay. It's not going to be something that really makes or breaks this team in any capacity. And then I'm curious how the the pairing with Timmy is going to work. We've talked about it ad nauseum. We've talked about it so much, and not just me. Other podcasts have talked about it. People have written articles about it. It is a hot button issue for this team, and I say issue as in discussion point. I don't think it's really a problem. <laughs> These two guys are really, really good. Having two super talented players on your roster that you have to figure out how to make them work together, not a bad thing necessarily. It's just a fascinating thing. And it should be discussed and it should be talked about because it's interesting. And there are some some wrinkles, some things that they need to iron out, namely the defensive rotations and how that's going to look and what they're going to do with Chet and, and what they're how they're going to move Drew Timmy around and how how comfortable they have they feel having him play away from the rim all that stuff that I've already discussed offensively they they have so many options <laughs> there are really no bad options if Drew has improved at his outside shot then there are absolutely no bad options at all Drew can step away from the rim Chet can play down low they can switch most teams particularly in the WCC don't have two bigs capable of guarding these guys at all so one somebody is going to have to be going up against somebody who's just not is six 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 seven and not used to guarding big physical guys. Whoever <laughs> has that guy on him should just go back to the basket and just score with ease. Like imagine putting your your six foot four or your six foot six power forward on Drew Timmy. Like he's just going to go to work every single time. And then if you switch that guy into Chet Holmgren, <laughs> I mean it's not going to be a whole lot better. So. It's going to be absolutely ridiculous to see these two guys work together offensively. I don't I don't think there's going to be any there's not really a wrong way to do it. I guess is the best way to put it. Defensively, there's some things they need to iron out. They can they have some saving grace with Anton Watson who's such a good defensive player and is capable of playing both the 5 and the 4 spot and the 3 spot defensively. That will help them out quite a bit. But I don't think it's an issue that's going to really cause them a lot of problems in the sense that those two guys on the floor at the same time may be slightly less than optimal defensively, but it's so dang elite offensively that it just doesn't it just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. They're they're gonna be that good. Uh the last thing I'll say is I think that he's gonna be I don't think he's gonna be the number one pick. I really think that Banchero is probably gonna take that mantle. He's I mean, he's like a a three-point shooting, like a hybrid of the Blake Griffin who dunked on everybody and the Blake Griffin who shot threes over everybody. <laughs> That's who Paulo Benchero is. I think if if he looks like that guy at Duke, he's going to be the first overall pick. But I think Holmgren, I don't think he goes lower than five uh, unless there's some guys who really surprise us. And there could be some guys, Jalen Duran from Memphis, Jaden Hardy from the G League. Those are some really studly dudes. There's some really good international players that I think could vie for some top five spots. But I think realistically... If I was, if you were setting an over/under on basically, will Chet Holmgren be the highest selected player in Gonzaga history? So the over/under is two and a half. He's if he's lower than that, he's tied with Adam Morrison. If he's higher than that, he's the number one guy. I think I'm going to lean yes. I think he's the front runner to be either the first or the second pick in the draft. But I wouldn't be surprised to see him drop three, four, five somewhere in there. But either way, he's going to have an incredible Gonzaga career. He's must see TV. It's going to be super, super fun to watch him in a Gonzaga uniform. And I can't wait. We're, seasons are coming. Ten days away. Ten days away from when I'm recording this. By the time you're listening to this, it is nine or less days away until that opener against Eastern Oregon on Halloween. It's going to be so much fun. Ten player previews are now done. We have completed them. We have about four or five more, I believe, to get through next week before that exhibition opener. Super excited to talk about the rest of the guys on this team. We also got a Mailbag Monday coming up. 
Mailbag is always on Monday. I record them on Sunday nights, publish them on Monday mornings. If you want to get involved in Mailbag Monday, there are a bunch of ways you can do that. Reach out to me on Twitter at LockedOnZags or on my personal account at ScoreZagScore. Just shoot me a question on there. Say it's for Mailbag Monday. I will write it up. I'll put it in my note sheet. I'll get it into the show. You can also email me at AndyPatton013 at gmail.com if you have questions for that show. It's going to be a super fun one. The last one before we have at least seen them play competitive basketball, it will be an exhibition, but this is still the last one before then. Super excited about it. A reminder also, you can find this podcast wherever you already get podcasts. It's going to be on YouTube very soon. And of course, like I mentioned already, you can follow me on Twitter at ScoreZagScore. You can also find this podcast on both Instagram and Facebook, currently at ScoreZagScore. So if you're not following those accounts, you can go ahead and find them there. And finally, thank you again for making the show your first listen of the day. Now is a great time to make your second listen of the day, the Locked On NBA podcast. You can get all of your daily NBA updates from a variety of league experts while checking in on your favorite Zags playing at the next level. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags!